0: It was cold and damp in the cave. Moisture collected in large droplets on the roof and fell to the ground. David pulled his cloak a little tighter around his shoulders and he shivered. He hadn't come prepared for this. But he could have stood the cold, he thought, if he just had something to eat. Hunger pangs were gnawing at his stomach. You see, David was on the run. Jonathan's signal with the arrows had told him what he feared most. King Saul was hunting for him to kill him. And there followed then this mad dash to safety and now here he was, hiding in a cave. Those drops continued to fall onto the ground. There was no way to start a fire, there was no food. He was hungry and he was cold and he was damp. But the greatest cold that he felt wasn't in his bones, it was in his soul. And the great gnawing, the hunger pang he felt wasn't in his stomach. It was a hunger for companionship, for understanding, for love. See, David could stand the dampness and the cold and the hunger. He'd dealt with that before. He'd been wet and cold out in the mornings watching his sheep in the field. He'd suffered all sorts of deprivation and danger when he was on the field of battle before, surviving on meager rations, But that was different because then he'd been surrounded by others who were all fighting together in a common cause. And now, he was all alone. He could take the discomfort. He couldn't take the loneliness. David had done nothing to King Saul. His only crime had been to try to serve him to the best of his ability and trust in God. And one day Saul heard the people singing that Saul had killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And Saul was jealous. And before long, that jealousy turned into a murderous rage. And so here is David, a hunted man like an animal, Not even his best friend, Jonathan, could go to him because that would betray where he was. He was alone, without friends, without family, without allies, all alone. No one seemed to care. No one but God. And so there in that cave, David began to sing. He didn't have his harp with him, but his voice filled the cave. He'd often sung to his sheep, or to King Saul, for that matter, to soothe his bad tempers. Now he's sang of his loneliness. He's sang of his faith. He's sang of his feeling of being forsaken, He sang of his comfort that he found in the fact that God was with him. That song that David sang in the cave of Adalom has been preserved for us today. I imagine that he remembered it so vividly that when he was able to, he wrote that down. It's the 142nd Psalm in our Bible that Brooks read just a few moments ago for us. And you can hear the emptiness of that cave and the loneliness of his soul coming out in the first half of that psalm. It echoes particularly in the fourth verse. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Now David was really fortunate in that he was bolstered by his faith in God. He had this confidence that even when it felt like all was lost, men had forsaken him, God was still near. And that comes out in the second half of the psalm, particularly in verse 5. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. David had somewhere to turn when he felt that no one cared. But I'm afraid that many people, most people, don't have that same sort of faith that sustained David. And the cry of a good many people in our world today might be that same one that he made from the cave. No one cares for my soul. A little old lady on up in years rose early in the morning and she made her breakfast as was her custom but she wasn't really hungry, it was just a habit. And so she picked at her food a while. Finally, she went out and she got the morning paper and thumbed through it. My, aren't people busy, she thought. so much to do. And passing you by came that voice in her head that had been haunting her lately. You're not useful anymore. Nobody cares about you. She tried to push those thoughts aside and she busied herself there tidying up her little house, but that was short work now that she lived all alone. And so she got dressed for the day. She put on her best everyday dress and she sat and she waited. And she waited. She waited. She waited. But no one came. No one cares for my soul. The boss hadn't slept too well last night. His mind had been preoccupied with thoughts racing through his head all night long. What am I doing here? What's this all about? What's the point of life? He hadn't phrased it exactly like that because he wasn't usually the introspective type, but he knew that there must be something that he was missing somehow. Deep down inside, he felt it was wrong. He even thought about his his mother for the first time in years. He thought about how she'd read him Bible stories at bedtime. He thought about how she always made sure he was in Sunday school. He remembered her soft voice clearly, singing as she went about her work around the house. And a tear even came to his eye. <laughs> you imagine that! It's not the type of man that anyone had probably ever seen crying. but he awakened in the morning with a brand-new resolve. He was going to make some changes in life. Things were going to be different. He wasn't exactly sure what needed to be different or where he was going to start, but he resolved to do things differently. And so he went to his office, he sat behind his desk, and he was just sitting there thinking for the longest time. Finally, he rang his buzzer, and he called in Smith. Smith? Smith? He was gruff because he'd forgotten how to talk to people any other way. Smith, I understand you go to church. Oh, sometimes, sir, yes. Well, does it do you any good? He wasn't really comfortable with this line of questioning. Smith said, oh, well, you know, (laughs) I don't really know, sir. Smith wasn't really comfortable with this line of questioning either. There was silence. The boss wondered, what in the world do I say now? That silence stretched on. Finally, he said, oh, go on, get out of here. Smith beat a hasty retreat to his desk and the rest of the office wondered why the boss seemed to yell even louder and longer for the rest of that day. No one cares for my soul. He'd been a big man on earth but he seemed awfully small standing before the throne of God. They were reviewing his record. Your mother and father were both poor. Got it, that's right. You worked very hard to get an education. Well, I, I had to, to get ahead in life. You were successful in your career. Well, I'd, I'd like to think so. I certainly got a lot of promotions. But then the conversation turned to some more serious matters. You had no interest in the things of God. Well, I didn't really know anything about him. Didn't you have a Bible in your home? Asked the voice, not unkindly. Well, yes, but didn't anyone ever invite you to church? Well, sure. Sure. He knew that he didn't have any excuse. He knew that what was being said was perfectly just, and yet it still tore at his soul, and he was trembling all over. And then he turned and looked at some of those standing around him, and he recognized some. You. You were my neighbor. Why didn't you ever tell me about God? And you, I worked with you for years. Did you know about this judgment day? Why didn't you tell me? One by one, those heads dropped in shame because there was no excuse, no answer to give. And he was sorted to the left side. But as those standing around Waited for their turn his words echoed in their ears. You never even mentioned him to me No one cares for my soul Now I want to be really clear at this point in These anecdotes these stories that we've imagined each and every one of these people all had a personal responsibility that elderly lady should have busied herself with serving others and being concerned about them instead of just waiting for people to be concerned about her. The boss should have learned those lessons that his mother tried to teach him in his youth. That poor soul on Judgment Day could have learned about God and his will if he'd wanted to. You see, we have to care about ourselves too none of them cared but even with that said we must never forget that God cares that's what David knew there in the cave remember there in verse number five when he starts to appeal to God I cry to you O Lord I say you are my refuge my portion in the land of the living we could look at other places, as Peter puts it, and he encourages us to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Not only does God care, we know that Jesus cares. In fact, that's how we know that God cares because Jesus is the preeminent revelation of God. And read through the gospel accounts and see how Jesus consistently manifests care and compassion for others. See that's a big challenge for us because we're called to emulate him. As Peter says a little bit earlier in 1 Peter in chapter 2 he says Christ suffered for you there's his care for us he suffered for us leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. On one occasion a woman came to Jesus and she prefaced her questions she said Lord do you care The apostles phrased a question that same way when they were out on the Sea of Galilee. Teacher, don't you care? Well, of course he cared. But that same question can be asked of us today if we're called to emulate him with great effect. That's the question that comes to us. Do you care? Do I care? Do we care? An announcement was made at the beginning of the morning worship service that old Mrs. Carter was confined to her home and that she would appreciate anyone who came by to visit her. But services went on from there and Mrs. Carter was pretty soon forgotten. It wasn't until after Sunday dinner when they were starting to relax for the afternoon that the wife spoke up about it. She said, isn't it a shame about Mrs. Carter as she laid down for her afternoon nap? And the husband said, yeah, it sure is, as he turned on his football game. Do we care? A U-Haul truck had been parked across the street all day long. George came in from work, and he kissed his wife, and he said, looks like we have some new neighbors. Yeah, it looks that way. It came up again when they were sitting around the supper table that evening. She said, well, I suppose we ought to go over and meet them, introduce ourselves, be friendly, welcome them to the neighborhood. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Do you think we should invite them to church? Oh, They probably have their own church, George said. Pass the potatoes. Do we care? The new girl at school didn't quite fit in. Her, Her clothes weren't as stylish. They were just not quite right out of a different time. She talked a little bit funny. She always seemed to be hanging by herself, too. And on their way home from school, a couple of their girlfriends were discussing it. They talked about her, and one said, she's pretty pathetic, isn't she? The other said, yeah, I wish someone would really clue her in about her clothes. Hey, are you going to Sunday school this week? You going to be in Bible class? The other one said, yeah, what about you? Of course, Always but I really wish the teacher would stop asking us to invite people. I don't know anyone to invite. Do you? Do we care? Has it, is it possible that we have become so self-centered, so complacent, so content, so focused on things that we don't care? we must start caring. Not only for the sake of others, but for the sake of our own souls. If we're gonna emulate Jesus, what does it mean to care? It means to see the potential in others. It means to demonstrate that care in concrete expressions. It means to try to the best of our ability to lift a burden to help someone in whatever way that we can. It means above all else to introduce other people to Jesus. That's the charge he left toward the end of his life, Matthew's account of the Great Commission. You know this. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Do you care? Do you care enough to say a kind word? Enough to visit someone who's lonely? Enough to invite someone to church? Enough to talk to someone about Jesus? Do we care? Maybe you're here this morning and thinking that no one cares. I want to remind you that God cares. That's what David realized in the cave. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus into this world to die for you. For he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, if you think that no one cares today, remember that he does. Remember that Jesus demonstrated that. Place your trust in him. Turn to God in repentance. Be buried in the waters of baptism. Have your sins washed away and be added to this family of God, knowing that he cares for you. Maybe you're here this morning, you already are a Christian. But it's so easy for us to become complacent and wrapped up in ourselves and to forget about the care that we need to demonstrate for others. Maybe you failed in that. and You need to make changes today. Whatever your need may be, it's the Lord's invitation now while we stand and while we sing.